Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Dave, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Javon. Yes, doing really well. Been looking forward to the episode. So I read your book, Systemology, and I had to have you on, man. So that's why I reached out. But before we get into all of that and what Systemology really is, tell us who you are, David. Yes, I am a 40-year-old dad of two based in Melbourne, Australia, who has been a business owner since leaving school. That's what I got into and have tried a variety of different businesses, everything from a rock and roll clothing music store where we franchise that business out to a digital agency to importing product to a web-based digital agency. So I've tried lots of different things. And then through all of those businesses, there's been this undercurrent of systems and processes. And it wasn't until my last business where I was like, oh, I really got to dial this in because I, I didn't want to be that dad who's always too busy. <laughs> well, that's definitely a great why on how you got into that, the systemology aspect. What got you just jumping straight out of school into the entrepreneurial journey? It was a little bit of a moving away strategy. My parents were never great with money. And I remember at a young age thinking, I don't want to live like that. And I thought, what is the quickest path to make money? Initially, it was actually the very first thing I did was I got into the stock market space thinking I was going to become the next Warren Buffett. But then I very quickly realized you need to have some money and it's a long road of compound growth. And there's been a lot of twists and turns since then. But really, it was just I need to figure out how to make money and stock market first. And then that pivoted into business. Man, we all had those dreams of Warren Buffett. That's what I gathered from that because I had the same aspirations, man. I wanted to be a billionaire just like him, but it didn't happen. So when it came to that first business, was it automatically just a hit or did you go through some bumps in, on, along the way? Definitely some bumps. I had tried some little things along the way. I remember when I was still in school, I was looking online for inventions that were making it over in the States and then thinking about how I could bring them into Australia. And I remember one of the very first ones I came across was this idea of a little uh, drug testing kit where you could put a little slip of paper into a drink to tell whether or not it was spiked or not. And I thought, oh, I'm at school. I could try and sell this into the school and see if it's something that would be interested in distributing to the kids. And that was my first lesson of trying to deal with a bureaucratic, large organization and the red tape I had to go through. And obviously, it's not something that they wanted to shine a spotlight on. And there are a few arrows in my back with little side businesses like that along the way. Absolutely. So you were just, you just had that mindset. You were just figuring it out as you went. But you know what that tells me? It tells me that you were willing to invest in yourself and you believe that there was something you were willing to try multiple things so where do you feel like that mindset and that perception came from for you my dad was big into amway and some multi-level marketing companies early on and he used to get this amway tape of the month 
that I would listen to. So I remember listening to some of the greats like your Ziggler's and oh. Jim Rohn's and Tony Robbins and Earl Nightingale stuff. Very early on, I was just kind of planting a lot of those seeds as I'd listen to these tapes. Oftentimes, even when I was going to bed, the headphones on and I'd be listening to them as I'd go to bed. So I feel like that just planted so many seeds at just the right time and made me realize, you know, persistence wins over resistance and the acres of diamond are sitting right around me. Like I've just got to start digging and like I just picked up a lot of those lessons through those tapes. Yeah, absolutely. You were doing motivation before motivation was cool, man. So that impressionable young age, that is very key to the growth. So I'm sure your dad, you know, and your parents are very proud of you because you wrote this book, this book called Systemology, where you emphasize the importance of systems in scaling a business. And I venture to say that these aren't just for scaling your business. You should actually start with these if you're just starting out and you're listening to this, okay? So can you elaborate on why you think that business owners fail to recognize the importance of systemizing their business? I think a lot of business owners, and Michael Gerber talked about this, when they start out, they're usually a technician, and he says they have an entrepreneurial seizure. So it's the hairdresser who is cutting hair who says, why am I working for this person? Why don't I just go start my own business? And then very quickly, they realize it takes very different skills to cut hair versus running a hairdressing business. And that happens all over. And the skill sets that you need, really, that's the biggest challenge. And business owner often knows how to do the thing. They start in the business doing the thing, and then they build up the habits. And then those habits get reinforced because they have some success and they get some traction and runs on the board and they get some clients, they get some staff. And before they know it, though, their picture they have in their head of what business is includes them doing the work. So it's very hard for them to see another picture and start to build another business or to build the business without them, especially once they've made everything so dependent on them. And you really, at some point, that's what I love about being a business owner, and it links back to what you were saying with personal development, you really need to grow into a different person at different stages of the business. And if you don't grow, like you're putting a ceiling on how big the business can grow because it will only grow as large as you can take it because you're leading it as the business owner. Absolutely. And I want to ask you this because you have a unique perspective. You're literally a global business, right? You're based in Australia, but you do business in the US, you do business in these different areas. So how has systematizing your business impacted that and helped you to uh, kind of land those clients worldwide and be able to service them at a level of excellence the way you do? A few things stood out for me. One, after working in a range of different businesses and in the work that I do with systemology as well, peeking into a bunch of different businesses, you start to see the similar patterns of successful businesses versus those that aren't successful systems-driven businesses, and you start to see, oh, wow, there are similar systems here, and there are lead generation systems that can be taken from one business and deployed into another business and can really transfer, uh, transform that business. So as I started to see this, then I started to go, the building blocks of all great businesses, like 
at its core, it's really just about identifying what is the best practice for the way that we do things, capturing that so that there's some form of knowledge transfer so that you can train up less skilled team members to deliver to a higher standard, which then frees up your higher skilled team members to work on their highest value tasks. So it's this constant game of capturing what's being done in best practice and then delegating down to free up those higher skilled team members. So you can't not win by adopting a systems mindset because it's really just about constant and never-ending improvement. So once I kind of understood this and then I recognized that this is the master skill of a business owner is the development of systems and or at least overseeing them. They don't have to do the documentation, but they have to really lead it for their team. It's that essence that made us work really well as a global team. We are virtual team, you know, we've got people in the states, we've got people in Australia, we've got people in Canada, we've got team in Philippines, we've got team in Ukraine. So I've got team members dotted all over. And I don't think now about where is the team member located, but I think about how can I get the best talent at the best price to do this particular job? And then with the right systems, we're able to keep everybody on track, clearly identify our company goals and keep everybody working towards that mission to free business owners. And as we go on that journey, we're able to bottle some of those ideas and pass them on to business owners that we work with. So it's there's a few components there that have helped us scale globally and really think about how do we deliver this globally because it's a problem felt by all small business owners. So I know it's a huge problem that many struggle with that I think is very poorly addressed. So I kind of saw it as a big opportunity for us. And it was a big opportunity in a big way for sure. But you said a number of different things there. One thing I heard that I want to make sure that the listeners zoom in on is, is this concept of intuition, right? Being able to apply transferable skills, transferable information to any industry. And that's what I feel like as a consultant, I run into this all the time. You know, they're like, oh, you don't know anything about my industry. I'm like, I don't need to because you're the expert in that. I know how to apply things to make your operations run better. I know how to make your teams run better. And I think that this is something that listeners need to hear because oftentimes they're blocking their blessings, right? Someone like yourself comes to them and says, hey, I can make you better. And they're like, how? You don't know what you've never worked in this industry, you know, but we have to really realize that when someone identifies what you've identified, which is systems in the power of it across business holistically, we have to listen. (laughs) We have to listen to say, okay, what you got? What you got, David? Because when I read this book, and that's why I brought David on, if you all were wondering, I was like, this is something that we all need, right? I know they say niche down and all this other stuff, but what you have is something that applies to everyone. So I'm going to help the listeners out because I'm mind reading what they're going to ask you and what they want to know. What are your top systems? What systems do you feel like any business just needs out the gate? There's two exercises that we have in systemology. One of them is uh, taught heavily in the book, and then another one we talk about as people progress down. But the first exercise is something we call the critical client flow. And it's about how the business make money. 
and you want to map the that linear journey. And just by doing that exercise, it will identify the systems that every business needs. As in, first think about who is your ideal client, then say, what is the primary product or service that you sell to that ideal client? And then once you've got that clear, you go down this exercise where you map the linear journey that person goes through, as in how do you grab their attention? How do you handle an incoming inquiry? How do you sell that person? Is there some sort of sales process when they're ready to go? How do you invoice them? Once they've paid their money, how do you onboard them into your system and get everything all set up the way that you need it? Then how do you deliver your core product or service? And then finally, how do you hand over and get them to come back? So that, at the essence of it, it's about how does the business make money without key person dependency? And if you can start with those systems first, many of the other problems in business can be solved because most small business struggles with repeatability because they're key person dependent. And it means that, oh, if Jenny's not in on Wednesday, we don't issue out invoices. And that's not a very good place to be. So we capture those key systems. So that's level one. And there's probably about 10 to 15 systems in that for most businesses. And if you start, you'll start to see the power of systems. But the next step after that is what we call minimum viable systems. And that is where you get systems to touch all aspects of the business. So you think of your business in terms of each of the different departments, sales, marketing, operations, finance, HR and management, something like that. Everybody's is a little bit different. Maybe you have admin, maybe you have something else, but you start off by thinking about what are the departments. The next thing you go through each department and you apply the 80-20 rule and you just say, what are the 20% of the systems that deliver 80% of the result in this department? If we're talking about the sales department and what is the sales department's objective? The sales department's objective is to convert prospects into clients. Okay, if that's their objective, what are the key systems that would ensure, like, if they didn't exist, you wouldn't be able to meet that objective? And if we think about HR is about looking after staff, it's about recruiting and onboarding and managing staff. So what are the key systems in that department? And you try and narrow it down to probably not more than 10 to 15 per department. And it's a bit of a thought exercise and each business is a little bit different. Yes, there are some key systems like you. The real question was, well, what are the key systems? Every business is a little bit different depending on the industry and the way that you sell and what it is that you deliver. But at the crux of it, you know, HR, you've got to find staff, you've got to recruit those staff, you've got to onboard those staff, and then you've got to manage those staff. And there's probably some systems that sit underneath that around performance reviews. And again, and it'll depend on the size of your business. The smaller you are, the more nimble and lighter you can be. So the less systems, the larger you grow, the more that you would need. But you go through that exercise in each department. And once you reach minimum viable systems, it's almost like the inflection point. It's when you start to change the culture in the company because systems touch every aspect of the business and every team member has some level of exposure to systems. 
So that's kind of like that second milestone that you work towards. So I don't know if it answered your question exactly, but kind of gives you some context. No, it was even better answer because you described some case studies and some examples of how you can kind of implement that. So say the listeners are like, yes, I know I need all of this stuff, right? But what are some of the roadblocks they can kind of look out for so they can kind of mitigate that risk or that adversity they're going to face if they were to try to mature their systems? One of the biggest ones is the business owner going, yeah, but my business is different. You don't know me. (laughs) I've tried this before. My team don't follow systems. We're too creative to have systems <laughs> or, oh, there's going to be hundreds here or I don't like to document. Like there's any number of these little internal false beliefs that can bubble up for someone, especially yeah, all if they're the time, being- man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I put forward the idea that what if there is a better way? What if there are some ways to overcome some of that initial resistance? Because anytime that you put anything new into place, especially if you don't feel like you're a systems person, you will receive resistance. All of the resistance happens up front and you need to get over the hump. You need to reach minimum viable systems before this really starts to turn into magic. But what do we know? We know that systems are essential. We know that all businesses that grow and scale beyond the founder have systems in place. So at some point, you're going to need to solve this. Like there is no getting around it. So the knowing that this is going to happen, I've tried to identify what are some of those biggest hurdles. And we can talk about a couple now because it'll help you go, oh, you know what? Maybe there is a bit of way. Firstly, people get overwhelmed and they go, oh, there's too many systems. Well, using the critical client flow method, we've identified you can just start with 10 or 15. Everybody can do 10 or 15 systems. Next one that pops up is I don't have time or my team members don't have time or I don't like documenting. And there's a couple of things you can do here. Firstly, don't think about crafting world-class systems. Just figure out who on your team currently does the thing to a good standard. So Sally knows how to handle that incoming inquiry really well. And she asks five questions for every incoming inquiry to qualify them before she passes them off to John to close them. Okay. What is it that she's saying? Well, let's capture that. And then that now becomes the baseline and everybody can step in and follow that process. The next thing also to think about is, Make the extraction as easy as possible for your knowledgeable team members. The people who know how to do the thing are typically the most busy team members. And if you go to them and say, can you document your process? One, they might not even like documenting process. And two, they're really, really busy. So they'll say, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll put it on my to-do list and I'll get to it when I get time. And the business owner often says this, but they never find the time. But if you make it a two-person job and you make sure that You've got, we call them systems champions. It's someone in your organization who is automatically a systems person or they like writing checklists or they're very organized. If you've got that person, give them the role of systems champion and encourage them to make it easy for those knowledgeable team members. Meet with them, record them on Zoom doing their thing or go out in the field and take an iPhone and watch them set up the truck or whatever it is, record it getting done. And then the systems champion can help lighten that load. So there's a few things that you can do there. And some of those misconceptions 
I've challenged them and then I've found ways around them. And that was a big part of what systemology is. It's just like, ah, you think this is true, but when you actually look at it, systems don't remove creativity. They do the opposite. Like you put systems in place, it creates space, and then it makes your most effective team members more effective. Um, And it's just little insights like that, hopefully, that can break someone's pattern. Yes. And I love that you have systems for the systems. That's how you know this man is really all about systemology in his own right. So you are definitely dropping some jewels, man. So technology, we know that there's always some new thing right now. Everyone's talking about AI and machine learning and generation, all this good stuff. How do you foresee technology really changing the way that we approach scaling and growing businesses, if at all? It's going to have tremendous impact. And it's already started for the early adopters. The sooner that you can embrace this change, the better, because the genie is out of the bottle and we're not going back. The area where a lot of business owners go wrong is they chase shiny objects and they go, ooh, I've just heard about this new tool that creates these fancy TikTok videos that I never did TikTok before, but now I can get the AI to do it and I might as well do it. Like, And they're following just these crazy ideas that take them off track. The way to use AI is to think about what you're currently doing and how can the AI make those tasks more efficient? How can you get more done in less time at lower cost. And that's the way to use AI. So when we approached AI, the very first thing I thought of is, well, what is a task that business owners know they need to do more of, but they often don't find the time, they might not enjoy the process, or they can't allocate the resources to do it? Documenting systems and processes. So we went down the rabbit hole of thinking, well, how can we use AI to speed up the process of documentation? Because they know they need to do it. It's essential for business Mm -hmm. and it's not some bright, shiny object. So that's when we started to think, oh, how can we take a Loom recording, take the transcript and feed it into chat GPT and ask to generate the process, which is not perfect, but it might be an 80% 80 solution that means the system's champion can move a lot quicker. So it's type of thinking that you need to apply in your business when you're thinking about AI. What are we already doing and how can these tools make us more efficient and effective? And I think if you do that, you'll approach in much better way. Yeah, and I love that concept of, you know, what you need to do or what you're already doing that's working for you, make it better, make it easier, right? Remove the friction and using AI and Zapier and ChatGPT and all these other tools that you can kind of integrate together to create a a beautiful system in itself to go ahead and ratify those SOPs and, and all that stuff. That's a fantastic way to use it, David. So yeah, definitely listen back to what he just said, uh, designers, because he just dropped a bomb on you on how you can go ahead and create a force multiplier with this technology that we have at our disposal. This is one of the best times to be a business owner when it comes to that type of stuff, man. So I love that you brought that up. So before we move to our by design segment, one more question. Where can people find this book, man? Because I don't even want to wait to the end. I want 
people to understand, you know, that this is a book that is a game changer for business owners. So where can they find it? Best place is Amazon. So, and if you're listening to this, you might be an audio person. So you can go to Audible as well as the audio version of the book and just start there. The, the book, I wrote it to be useful and complete. There are many business owners that take the book and implement many of the ideas and get tremendous results straight from the book. And then if you need a little bit more help, some people do, there's just systemology.com and we've just got some additional ways if you need more support. But the book is most definitely the place to start. Awesome. I just wanted to get that out the way just in case the designers had ideas of jumping, which they better not because we want to hear these answers for the by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready, David? Let's do it. All right. What has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? The hardest part is the persistence required. It is challenging to be a business owner and oftentimes very isolating because when you're talking to your team and things like that, you need to be mindful of how you're communicating with them and certain things you kind of hold on to. And at every level of the game, even when you get systems and processes in place, there are challenges and it's just higher quality challenges. You just keep leveling up the type of problem that you're solving. So I feel like it takes a certain type of crazy or a certain type of you don't really know what you're getting yourself into until you start it to be a business owner because the persistence and commitment that it takes um, is next level. That's why I, I take my hat off to business owners. Here's to the late, great Steve Jobs. Cheers to the crazy ones, right? Number two, what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? If I go back to those Amway tapes and I remember Jim Rohn and he had so many great quotes, but the one that always stuck with me is, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And that whether your job is building your business or if you're working in an organization as an employee, that idea of looking to level yourself up constantly will improve your life. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, we kind of try to make these distinctions between business and and our personal life when it's really intertwined, you know, If your personal life is suffering, your business probably will too and vice versa. So now I love that you said that work on yourself because man, the challenges that come along with this is, as you said on that first answer, there's something. Number three, what are three tools or tips that you would recommend when scaling a business? Tip number one, a little bit biased, but get yourself a copy of Systemology. There are some other great books as well. I think Attraction by Gino Wickman, I really enjoyed. The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber is another classic in the systems space. So definitely from a book perspective, start there. Then resources you could look at, I think, to keep it focused on systems, you really need to find a place to store all of your systems and your processes. You can start off with Google Drive, but at some point you might want to elevate to something like System Hub just a place to store that business knowledge. So that way, regardless of what business you're involved in, you always have a central hub of knowledge because it's that accumulation of systems and processes in a central location that really becomes the largest asset that you've got. 
And when it comes to sell your business, when it comes to starting a business, I think the sooner you that, the better. And the other thing I would suggest is finding a couple of podcasts just like this one and continue to consume that material. Like find the people that you resonate with. Like you hear Javon's message and you go, yep, Javon's on it and he's speaking my language. Well, then tune in and try and not get too overwhelmed by too many. Like it's easy to jump from one to the next, but trying to pick just a few people that you really resonate with and go deep on those. I find that will also get you the best result. Absolutely, man. I love everything you just said and love all the information and knowledge you've dropped along systems and really just running your business effectively. So I know you gave your website to get the book, but how can people connect with you? Yes, I do a lot of work at the moment on YouTube. So if you go to systemology.com and in the menu up the top or down in the footer, there's a link to our YouTube channel. Engaging from there is a great way. Like I read the comments, I make little video responses. So that is a great way. And I'm on some other social media platforms as well. We can connect via LinkedIn. That's another one. And just shoot me questions there. More than happy to help. Like this is my thing. Our mission is to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operation. If you need a hand with that, getting out of the tools, that's my sweet spot. And I just love to talk about the stuff. So by all means, reach out, connect, and I'll do what I can to help. Awesome, man. Well, we definitely see that knowledge. You are a true wizard when it comes to systems, man. Really appreciate you stopping by Design Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, David. I mean, to the designers listening, listen to this again and start implementing those systems. Do not make this another episode where you say, oh, that was cool. Put it in place and I'll see y'all soon. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.